clamorous little ditty that you are presently listening to is Through the Night. That's T-H-R-U apostrophe the night. You don't need the apostrophe if you spelled it T-H-R-U. I'm sorry to be a grammar Nazi, especially because if you read my blog, you know I am a grammar Nazi living in a glass house. And as they say, grammar Nazis who live in glass houses should not throw stones, parentheses, and also maybe reconsider the Nazi thing. At any rate, that's Through Unnecessary Apostrophe, The Night by Virginia K. Logan. I gotta say, this song really seems to typify that era, as far as I'm concerned. This song really sounds like the early 1900s to me. It's on a player piano, by the way. That's what we're hearing. And it really invokes, like, everything that I have in my brain from that era. So I hear that song, and I'm picturing soda fountains, uh, straw hats, barbershop quartets, gazebos, silent films, typhoid, model T's, marrying your cousin and having it not be weird. Uh, What else? Tiffany lamps, organized crime, of course. Heroin, heroin sold in the Sears catalog, and obviously off-the-charts levels of racism and sexism. Well, gotta take the good with the bad. All of that and more is wrapped up in this fun little tune by Virginia K. Logan. Hello, you are listening to the I Might Be Wrong podcast, the only podcast endorsed by both South and North Korea. And I have a bit of an announcement this week, which sounds like I'm setting up a bit. I'm not setting up a bit. Normally... (laughs) This does sound like the beginning of a bit, but I promise you this is not going to end with me accusing Paul McCartney of having murdered Arnie DeFranco, which I have been known to do. No, this is an actual announcement about an actual thing. And because I don't want to do that lame thing where I tease the announcement for the entire length of the podcast and only tell you at the end, I'm just going to tell you up front. I Might Be Wrong is going to once a week, and it is staying free. That's the announcement. And the explanation as to why I'm doing that, I think is kind of interesting. So that's why this podcast is not a read-on of an article that's already been on my Substack. This is, well, this is basically the article I'm going to put up at basically the same time as the podcast. It's just that I haven't 100% finished the written version of this, so it might be a little bit different. But you're listening to the audio version. You're clearly not much of a reader, so... Let's get into it. I've been asked many times before, how are you doing this? You run a substack that is 100% free. How are you doing this? Why are you doing this? What are you, some kind of fucking moron? I thought you had a background in economics. What fucking business model (laughs) are you using? Is this like that old SNL ad about the bank that only makes change? And in the ad, they ask the guy, how do you make money on this? And he just goes, Simple. Volume. Why have I been doing things this way? What the hell is wrong with me? Those are fair questions, and here's what's going on. Or phrased another way, here's... What's going on? Thank you, as always, to Four Non Blondes. So, 2020 was probably a pretty weird year for you. It was definitely a weird year for me. It was a weird year for a lot of people because of COVID. You probably saw a thing about that, perhaps in an elevator or something. It was an awfully weird year. And for me, it was a weird year even before COVID hit. In February, 
I left a job I'd had for six years, a job that I had loved at Last Week Tonight with Spanky Cheese Log. I left that job in February of 2020. I was setting out for greener pastures. I wanted to do scripted TV. I wanted to get out of late night, go to scripted. This was a big change for me, big adventure, right? I'm setting out for big new things. Well, that was February. COVID hit the U.S. in March. (laughs) COVID hit the U.S. in March, and Hollywood shut down. I suddenly had no job prospects. I was unemployed for the first time since I was 15. What did I do? How did I get by? How did I end up here? Okay, well, the first thing that has to be said, and unfortunately, I do have to be sincere here for a minute. My wife has a job, and we lived off of her income for a while. And I am very, very, very grateful to her for that. A marriage is very lucrative. That's probably why I've done it twice. Marriage, it's a good uh, financial move. First, there's this whole registry scam where people buy you like kitchen shit out of politeness. So there's that. And then the marriage itself, it's a, it's basically a good business merger. You know, there are a lot of efficiencies to be had, many economies of scale available, which is arguably not the most romantic way to describe marriage. But it is true. Your accountant is going to like it. So we lived off of her income. And look, there is a whole lot of (laughs) really cheap girl boss shit out there. Like a whole lot of really shallow, like unearned, you fucking go, lady. You live your best sassy life. That's the skin deep girl bossing that is out there. 80% of it is marketing. Like Don Draper absolutely wrote this girl boss narrative that we hear so often. Amidst all that lame, unearned girl bossery, my wife did the real version of that. She did actual girl bossing. Because if we are co-partners in this marriage, and there's no man's role, there's no woman's role, we're just two people and gender's not important, then one logical extension of that is that sometimes the woman might be the breadwinner. And that's what happened in my marriage. That is part of the reason why I might be wrong exists. It is because my wife worked her ass off. So let me give her all the credit for doing the work and for being tolerant with me as I figured things out. As they say, behind every middling male Substack writer, there is a woman asking, when are you going to monetize that fucking thing? (laughs) No, she was very supportive. She was very supportive. She was very patient and supportive. She really was great. End of sincerity. So my... Dumb male pride does require me to point out that I did not spend all of 2020 laying on the couch, shirtless, putting Skittles in my belly button, and then like ejecting them up and catching them into my mouth. That was not my entire year in 2020. I also did something else. Here's the weird COVID thing that I did. I renovated a condo. I bought the shittiest condo in Brooklyn. If you know Brooklyn real estate, that is really saying something. This condo, (laughs) it had a hole in the floor. That's right, a motherfucking hole in the floor. Now, there is money to be made if you can turn a place that has a motherfucking hole in the floor into a place without a motherfucking hole in the floor. I think if you even just reduce the size of the hole... (laughs) If it's like, well, that really was more of a pit, but now I just say that it's a hole. You've increased the square footage. That's money in the bank. So that was the opportunity I had. I mean, what the hell else was I going to do? I didn't have a job. 
Nobody was hiring at that moment. And I do come from a long line of construction workers. My dad, my granddad, they always had projects going on. You just kind of learn stuff through osmosis. At this point, I would honestly say that I'm, I don't know, maybe an A- minus drywall installer. Maybe a B-plus with tile and floors. A generous B-minus with plumbing. Electrical, well, electrical, I have not killed myself yet. That's the best that can be said about my electrical skills. Well, I call somebody for electrical. I don't... <laughs> that's that's serious. I don't want to fuck with that. Though the electrical challenges <laughs> at this particular place were like, clear the beehive out of the fuse box. So you don't need to go to technical school for that. So I did that. I bought a condo, renovated it, sold it, it worked. Property Brothers, you can suck my dick. And by the way, the picture, that's my Twitter avatar, that's me on the last day of the remodel. I'm covered in dirt because I had just put a bunch of sod in the backyard, and I'm giving a very pathetic thumbs up, but look behind me, no hole behind me. Mmm, no hole. There's luxury vinyl flooring behind me, in fact. Looks pretty nice. At any rate, that, plus my wife's job, that is how I funded the first year of I Might Be Wrong. And it has been pretty much exactly a year now. June 2nd of last year was my first column. And I really do love doing this. I love doing it. I love the freedom. I love being able to write whatever the fuck I want. At last week tonight, look, you pitch five ideas and you legitimately mean all five, but you also know which one's going to go on television. It's going to be the one that is consistent with what the audience wants to hear. As I always say, you, the audience, are the problem. So, I love being free of that. I love being able to write whatever, which if you're writing about politics and stuff, seems kind of important. I love not having an editor. Every writer thinks they're the smartest person in the room, so we hate having editors. Substack means I don't have to have an editor. And honestly, one thing that's been kind of rewarding is some of the interactions that I've had through the blog have been kind of nice. It's become clear to me that I am definitely not the only liberal out there going, what the fuck are we doing these days? I am obviously not the only person who would like the left to get back to things we do well, like multiculturalism, meaning real, hey, let's all come together, multiculturalism, not this dumb college Marxist performative bullshit that people try to dress up as multiculturalism, and other lost arts, like real ideas that help the working poor. So I talk about those things on the blog. Nobody can stop me. And it's been a good first year. There's been a lot of growth. Those first <laughs> those first several newsletters, the ones I did last June and July, I sent those out to like 30 people. And let me tell you something. When you are self-publishing a newsletter and sending it out to 30 people, all of whom are people you know, it's pretty impossible to not think, I'm an insane person. I've gone insane, and this is the form that that is taking. I am self-publishing a newsletter and sending it to 30 people. I'm nuts. You feel that, or at least I felt that, constantly. And that came on the heels of the remodel, during which every single day I thought, I'm an insane person. Look at what I'm doing. Especially, <laughs> especially I thought that on the day that I cut my hand open with a chisel. And I had to go to the ER and get it stitched up. So I'm in the ER. 
I am covered in paint, by the way, because I've been painting that day. Oh, and I'm also soaking wet because it was fucking pouring outside. And I had driven myself to the ER with my left pinky finger <laughs> sliced open. Not too bad, by the way. It's fine now. Left pinky sliced open. I'm stopping the blood with fucking McDonald's napkins because that's what I had in the truck. <laughs> it was very much like that scene in Fargo where Steve Buscemi is trying to stop the bleeding from his bullet wound with the napkins. Don't think that parallel was lost on me. It was not. So left hand bleeding, right hand driving, but my truck is a stick. So hand on the wheel, then on the gear shift, then back on the wheel, on the gear shift, pouring down rain. I ended up in the ER covered in paint, rainwater, blood. I'm sitting there thinking, I was at the Emmys almost exactly one year ago today. <laughs> <laughs> that was a real, yeah, that was a real thing that happened. Suffice it to say, it has been a weird, weird, weird two years and a change. And in the last year of that two years and change, I have started, I might be wrong, and it has been very rewarding, and it has also been 100% free. Some of you have chosen to pay me, and... I have to be sincere one more time. Thank you very much for that. That is very kind of you. It is good that my wife is no longer the only breadwinner. I appreciate everyone who chose to pay. Some of you, I have requested before on this podcast that you please mail me a million dollars. And some of you have done that. Thank you very much. Let me reiterate, please. No checks. A million dollars cash, please. No checks. If you mail me a check for a million dollars, I'm going to rip it up and throw it away. Don't waste my fucking time with the checks. Nonetheless, people using other forms of payment, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. And I have had people say to me, hey, cool business model where you, you don't charge and it's just it's kind of a Radiohead in rainbows thing where they just pay what they feel. Okay, thank you very much. The truth is, I always planned to be free for a while and eventually put up a paywall and monetize. I mean, the reality is you simply cannot charge people for something that is brand new and they don't know what it is. You can't ask them to pay for it. They're not going to do it. They have to see the product first, see if they like it, decide if it's worth paying for. If you don't let them do that, they're not going to pay for it. I wouldn't do it. You wouldn't do it. This is the way it has to go. By the way, quick, <laughs> quick last week tonight story. Last week tonight, you may have noticed the entire A story, you know, the, the main segment the entire A story gets put on YouTube every week for free. We started doing that at the onset of the show for the exact same reason. Nobody knew what the show was. We wanted to get the word out there. The plan always was it was going to be free for a while, and eventually we'd put up a paywall. I think it was going to be like episode 10. We were going to do the paywall. After episode 9 or thereabouts, <laughs> somebody ran an article. I think it was Wired ran an article that said, wow. Look at this cool new post-capitalist business model that Last Week Tonight with John Oliver is doing, where there are no ads and they put two-thirds of the show up every week, and <laughs> and we just kind of went, yes, yes indeed, that is what we are doing here. I, d I don't know if maybe HBO, I, maybe HBO saw the wisdom of putting it up without ads. The show is basically, it's an advertisement for HBO. That's why it works. That's why HBO keeps doing it that way. And maybe the higher-ups 
had been considering that the whole time, but I swear there was talk of a paywall and then that article ran and then I never heard talk of a paywall anymore. At any rate, same principle here. Start off free so people can see what the hell the thing is and then eventually you monetize. The plan was always to be free when I had 30 subscribers and then eventually put, I, I was thinking probably half the stuff behind the paywall once I had a real actual audience. And I've been saying on this podcast for a while, that's coming, the paywall is coming eventually. And I actually had a number in my head, a number of subscribers that I wanted to get to where I thought, okay, once I pass that point, then at that point, this is a legitimate real thing. I am no longer a crazy man writing posts about the infrastructure bill and then sending them to 30 people I used to play soccer with. Or at least I'm not entirely that. And I am happy to say I actually hit that threshold in May. I hit it last month. It felt really good. It's a long journey. I was really happy to get there. So my thought at that point was, okay, June. I will monetize in June. It will have been a year. That's a nice round number. The paywall goes up in June. Well, guess what? Kind of out of nowhere, I have been offered a job in television. I'm not going to be on television. Don't people look. I complain about Hollywood a lot. People in Hollywood are smart enough to not put me on fucking television, but I will be writing for television. And look, if I am being totally honest, I thought that my TV career was probably dead. That's how it honestly felt. I was definitely not happy about that. Honestly, I felt a little bit like a travel agent. I felt like I was in a field that just kind of evaporated. I mean, I was a late night writer. And if you read this blog, listen to this podcast, and also have two brain cells to rub together, then you can deduce that I am not exactly enamored with what is being produced in late night television these days. And Late night, of course, was always my most logical path back into television. If I really, really wanted to get back in TV, well, my resume was in late night. I could maybe have gone back to something in late night at some point. I don't actually know, though, of course, I did not want to do that. I wanted to go do scripted TV, you know, sitcoms and stuff. That was the whole catalyst for this odyssey, remember? Well... I feel very fortunate to have been offered a job on a scripted show. And it's an actual good show. <laughs> that is the miracle. I will be writing for American Auto on NBC. You may know Superstore. Superstore, it's got a real fan base. It ran for six years. You should check it out on Peacock if you, you know, had to subscribe to Peacock in order to get the Premier League like I did. Which is, uh, that's probably not how I should <laughs> describe the streaming platform of my new employer. Oh, I had to get it. No, it's great. It's great. It's fantastic. There's, oh, oh, folks, so much unbelievable stuff on Peacock other than the Premier League. Um, uh, Suddenly Susan. Was that NBC? Maybe that's on there. Suddenly Susan. Wings. Wings reruns. That one was NBC. Uh, what else? Dr. Quinn, Warrior Princess. Xena the Medicine Woman, so much good shit on Peacock, including Superstore, to my knowledge, the only show ever made about actual jobs that people really have. There's none of this Emily in Paris aspirational bullshit. Superstore is one of those shows that's just going to live on streaming forever, like Parks and Rec or The Office, because it's funny. And the guy who did 
Superstore and his writing staff, important caveat, they now have a new show called American Auto, which is a workplace comedy in the auto industry. I told them I was born and raised in Detroit. Don't bust me on that. It stars Anna Gasteyer from SNL, a very funny lady, and it ran for 10 episodes last season. They're going into season two, and I am very happy to have been added to the team as a writer slash story editor. This is a good offer. This is what I wanted, and I'm very happy to take it. I do have to go to LA <laughs> at least part-time. I The plan right now... I'm in D.C. I'm going to L.A. part-time. I'm going to be Barton thinking it in a hotel room in Los Angeles for a while, though I doubt it will go that well. But here's What's Up by Four Non Blondes with I Might Be Wrong. I'm keeping the blog. I'm keeping the blog, and as I said, I am going to once a week. My schedule, I don't think, is going to allow more than once a week, but I'm going to do once a week, and I'm just going to keep it free. It's just going to stay free. Unless you choose to pay me, as always, it's up to you whether the content I'm producing is worth it or not. Totally your call. I guess it actually is the In Rainbows thing for a while anyway. And for the foreseeable future, this blog and this podcast, I'm just not going to view them as a revenue stream. They're going to be a labor, well, not a labor of love. That's going too far. It'll be a place where I can say the F word, which NBC will not let me do. (laughs) Those prudes. So I'm going to stick with my resolutely potty-mouthed blog and podcast, and I'm going to do them once a week, one written version and an audio version of the written version, so pick your poison. Once a week, asterisk, uh, unless I miss one, because I don't quite know how busy I'm going to be, so, you know, I might miss one here and there. But hey, it's free. It's free. Completely free. I may eventually squeeze some ads into the podcast, but that's only because I love Casper mattresses and MailChimp so much. But other than the occasional future ad for Casper mattresses, which I will only be including because they are such a fantastic product, unless one of their competitors sponsors me, in which case they suck. Other than that, it's going to be free and once a week on, you know, uh, whatever day. It won't be Monday necessarily. It's just kind of uh, whatever day I get around to it because of schedules. But I get to keep the blog, and that makes me very happy. I really am honestly, truly very glad I get to keep this thing going. I am glad that I get to keep it free, which I think is a little bit punk rock. Kind of Fugazi, if you think about it. I'm not often compared to Fugazi, but I'm going to compare myself to Fugazi. Kind of Fugazi, kind of punk rock, though please forget that I said that if a year from now the show's over and I go back to writing, I might be wrong full-time and monetize it, which could happen, you never know. There is still a lot of stuff I want to write about, especially heading into the midterms and then soon after the midterms come the primaries, which are going to be an absolute fucking shit show because I don't think Biden is going to run again. So this thing will continue, albeit in a slightly altered format. And I do just want to say, thank you very much for listening to this thing. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for reading the articles. Thank you for sharing them around, because that's where a lot of my growth comes from. And I've been pretty frank in this episode and other episodes about what a weird, weird, weird two years and change it has been for all of us, starting with COVID, of course, and eh, it has just been fucking weird. And this blog honestly has helped me get some of my sanity back. 
It has helped me think, yeah, huh? a lot of people are noticing what I'm noticing. <laughs> it does make me think, okay, maybe it is possible to write this ship and get back to talking about actual solutions to problems because there does seem to be an audience out there for sanity if only someone would like to capture it. So, that is the plan. I am off to LA immediately. They want me there like right now. And by the way, if you signed up for a paid subscription, especially if it was one of the six month or yearly ones thinking, hey, it does three a week plus a podcast. And now it's gonna be one a week in a podcast. If you think that the change makes it now no longer worth your subscription, if Substack gives you any trouble, just write to me. Just reply to one of the emails. That goes straight to me. I promise we will get this straightened out. I am not going to punish you for your generosity. But I'm off to L.A. very soon. I I avoided L.A. for so long. I avoided it for so long. They finally got me. Occupational hazard in this business. I honestly think I might like L.A. Because, I'll tell you why, because I enjoy weird stuff. And I think my initial plan is to do all the absolute corniest tourist crap that I can. I want to I want to take a tour of the stars homes. I want to go to Planet Hollywood at like 11 a.m. on a Monday. I just want to soak in all the dumb overpriced celebrity worship crap because it's stupid. Because it's stupid and that's what makes it fun. People ask, how do you write stand-up? Here's how you write stand-up. You have a stupid experience and then you take it from there. And Hell, I don't know. L.A. might really be the land of milk and honey as far as stupid experiences go. I will certainly let you know what I find. And I will be checking in once a week, starting next week. And until then, thank you very much for listening, and bye for now. Bye for now.